What's going on, listeners? Hello, you're listening to Go Chuck Yourself. We're back at it. Can't be stopped. My name is Chris Gillespie. My name is Aaron Arata. And we are back for the new year. That's right. We haven't recorded an episode since last year. And this <laughs> is our first episode of 2020. Wow, okay. I thought you were bringing a lot of enthusiasm, but I did not know you had props. I do have a prop. It's a new year. I hope the microphone picks that up well and it's not just uh, unlistenable now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Who knows? Um, New year, new headphones. That's right. I got new headphones. It doesn't matter to you, but I'm telling you. Uh, Aaron has new glasses as well. I have new glasses. Chris did not. He made a point to say, wow, those are very big and very round. It did not say he likes them. He just said they're very big and very round. That's right. I mean, I'm just trying to give you empirical knowledge about your glasses. My opinion <laughs> doesn't matter. I appreciate it. I just want to give you facts like we will be delivering in this episode of Go Chuck Yourself, where we'll be talking about the Save Chuck movement, um, which occurred uh, between... You. Seasons two and season three of Chuck. Which is exactly where we are. We're between those two seasons. We are. And it felt only right that we talk about this because uh, it is not an exaggeration to say that there would be no Chuck season three, four or five uh, without this particular uh, happening. But I think it's also interesting from just a a pop culture lens and just kind of a, a weird, I don't know, anthropological. I don't know. There's some some cultural aspect to it. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. And especially like coming at it from like 2020, like where we are at now, like I don't know that this wouldn't happen now exactly as it happened. Like it's very impressive like that they saved like so many shows got like saved in such like unique ways at this period of time. But like Chuck is one of the big ones that like people like still talk about. And it's really interesting to like delve into, especially like, you you were more of a part of it than I was. Like I was kind of on the periphery of this. I don't even know if I knew this was happening until like way later. But mm. like it was really cool to learn about, and it's like just so interesting that it happened. And I want to get to the bottom of it. Yeah, I didn't. I obviously was aware of it as it was going on. I was not aware to the extent of it, um, and I did did play a very small role in it, a very very small role, <laughs> which we will get to in a little bit, but. Um, yeah, I, I was very fascinated looking back at it and reading about it now. Cause I think we'll, we'll probably talk a lot about this, but I don't think it should have worked. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't think yeah. this, it, there, there are reasons why it did work, which are great. But mm-hmm. I think if you just look at it quickly, you're like, that this doesn't make sense. Like yeah. I, <laughs> um, when it was going on, I was like, this probably won't work, but, um, yeah, I, I think it's it's really interesting and there's a lot to kind of dive into um, about this particular movement. Mm-hmm. We're going to we're going to be calling it. Um, we also there's a documentary that we both watched in prep- preparation for this as we were doing our research. The documentary is called United We Fan uh, subtitle The Fans That Shaped TV History, which covers various different instances of television shows being canceled by networks. And then the respective fans rising up and advocating for the shows that they continue. And sometimes that leads to the shows being picked up anyways. And sometimes it leads to the shows getting picked up by a different network or the shows not getting picked up at all, not getting picked up at all. Sometimes the shows turn into Kickstarters for movies, different things like that. It was really kind of a 
an interesting little documentary that's available on iTunes and iTunes, Amazon, Amazon Voodoo, YouTube. It's it's available. Um, it costs money. It's not streaming free anywhere legally, um, but it's definitely worth a watch. If this you is listen- making a face. I'm not I'm not supporting watching it illegally. I'm not condoning that. What what our listeners do in their own time. I can't make that decision for them. You, but, you know. I know we probably shouldn't be starting out the new year with such hostility, but I'm going to go ahead and say this. I think instead of getting those new glasses, you should have just gotten an eye patch because you, Aaron, are a pirate. <laughs> that was really good. That was a that was a good joke. I didn't say I pirate. I want to be clear. If any like legal authorities are listening to this, which thank you for listening, legal authorities. But <laughs> I, I watched it on iTunes. I, w- I actually can't show you the receipt because I, iTunes doesn't send me receipts anymore. I don't know why that doesn't happen, but uh, I, can, I can prove it. I swear. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, yeah. If you want to watch this, if you listen to this episode of this podcast and you're like, I want to kind of learn more about what they're talking about, then uh, check out the documentary. It's an interesting little watch of course chuck is featured in the documentary which is why we watched it or saved chuck not a huge amount of it um it's it occupies like a couple minutes the main Mm -hmm. the main trajectories are about person of interest which i completely forgot about but people are passionate about it i guess one could say that they are interested in it one could say (laughs) that there are people of interest people find person of interest of interest yes Good thing we were um, not involved in that particular movement. I don't think we would be great at branding yeah, it. No, but uh, maybe when when we're done with Chuck, maybe that's what we'll get into. I know I floated the OC, but maybe it's person of interest. <laughs> uh, and then some of the other shows they talked about were Star Trek. Yeah, which of is a, a huge one. I didn't even yeah. know that Star Trek was because you think now Star Trek is such a behemoth of yes. sci-fi of pop culture. You would yeah. imagine in a million years that that would not have happened like that but yeah they talk about that and then yeah, it's definitely one of like the fundamentals of like mm-hmm. these these kinds of movements succeeding yeah and the documentary also talked about the one of the main narratives is about the the foundation of the viewer the viewers for quality television association which i feel was, like i feel bad that i don't know what that is um did you know what that was i did not know what it was okay. people probably do <laughs> like we're probably dumb but their logo looks very similar to the logo of the Vitamin String Quartet, um, which is a orchest- orchestral quartet that I listen to on Spotify and YouTube that do pop covers of popular songs. <laughs> the logo looks very similar. Yes. Uh, the documentary. So it doesn't they there was this organization that um, her name was Dorothy Swanson founded viewers for quality television after she kind of united viewers of this television show Cagney and Lacey. Uh, which was a stereo- favorite television show, a stereotype divining show of the 80s about two um, women who were police officers, just like Rizzoli and Isles. Yes, Cagney and Lacey walked so Rizzoli and Isles could run. <laughs> I was really excited about Rizzoli and Isles is like the first show I ever saw that was set in Boston, because I guess I had never seen Cheers or all the other shows that are set in Boston. But I was like, yeah, Boston represented. More shows and movies need to be made about Boston, Massachusetts. Yes. But yeah, that's what the the documentary will be talking about it a little bit more uh, as we go along. We're going to be also in this episode. We're going to play a game a little bit later on that Aaron is not prepared for. But no, I'm not. I'm a little nervous. And then in the end, in our exciting conclusion, after we have talked about the movement and played this game 
and maybe have some other surprises along the way. Uh, I will be for the first time ever reading the letter that I wrote to NBC during the Save Chuck <laughs> movement. I will be reading that aloud in its entirety. I am the, so uh, excited. The end of this episode. I this is this is the true <laughs> entering the home theater room. This is going to be the pinnacle of that. We will never top this. I am so I'm a little nervous. I know it's going to be OK, but it's it's have you a read it? Like, have you read it in preparation or is this going to be your first time yeah, reading no, I, it in a while? I read it. I read it okay. when I found it. Is it so. embarrassing? It, <laughs> it's not embarrassing. It's it's very earnest and it's it will really take us back to what I was like as a as a child. I was not a child. I was a sophomore in high school. So great. Uh, but Aaron, you were, you <laughs> oh, were not a, looking forward to it. <laughs> you were not a part of Save Chuck in any way, really. You were not even aware of it, you say? No, I was not. Do you have any kind of like comparable experience with a show that you were passionate about that got canceled that there was try to try to make a movement for to save around this time? Period? Are you leading into something? No, I'm not. I'm just genuinely curious. I can't think of, I don't know. I feel like I was a pretty bad television viewer that I would just be like, I would love shows and then they would go away and I'd be like, well, it's gone now. Fan campaigns, I don't think I ever understood them. Like, I had friends in college who were like donating to the Veronica Mars Kickstarter, and I was like, why? Why are you doing that? Um, <laughs> which is not to say that I don't hugely admire like these campaigns. I think it's wonderful, and I think it's wonderful that they work um, when they seem like they shouldn't. And I think it's very impressive. And I think like these people who have like so much passion and stamina and like doing all this work to like save a show is amazing. But I think like, Especially at this time, I was like, well, I, I have to do my geometry homework. I don't care about this show. Mm -hmm. So I'm impressed with you. I'm impressed that you wrote a letter. I, I would be more impressed if you wrote a letter every day like some of these people. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, the documentary really uh, outlines. <laughs> and these are people like way pre-internet. Like I would have sent yeah. an email technically. Yeah. These are people writing just straight up actual letters. People were donating stamps. People were writing letters for other people and then like signing them to make it seem like there were more people. It was. Did, did you like there was a part um, discussing like the Star Trek people? They would have like weekends that they would get together and just spend the whole weekend writing letters. I don't even know like what what were they writing that whole time? Like there's how many letters did they write? There's only so much you could say. Did they just like stock up or were they writing unique letters? I don't think I've ever written that many words in my life. And I've written several novels. I think what's really interesting and impressive about the the save Star Trek movement was that this was like, I don't think it's easy for us to wrap our heads around based off of um, like being born into the time of cable television, which then turned into the time of streaming and mm -hmm. the Internet and video content everywhere. Mm -hmm. But during the Star Trek time, there were only a, a very small, finite amount of networks and if you found a show like they watch star trek and they're like oh my god this show really connects with me or resonates with me it there's really not a lot of other options in terms of television shows it's not like they'll be like oh well i can i'll watch a hundred other shows like this on the internet or on netflix or whatever mm -hmm. it was just like it's airing one time a week this is it there's only a handful of other shows that maybe you don't care about but then this is the show so i can i could see the emotional attachment being heightened in those times and Lester, I mean, obviously it still existed with when Chuck was airing uh, and, you know, obviously it's kind of turning into like DVR 
and cable and there's a lot of different a lot more options but there's still maybe not as many options or maybe the the representation that people were feeling in regards to chuck was new for the time as we may yeah touch upon a little bit later yeah so um i guess we'll we'll continue on with our discussion of the save chuck movement and how exactly it came about and what exactly it contained but i wanted to begin our series of surprises with a little surprise for chris um this is this is going to be uncomfortable for one second and then it's going to be fun Ta-da! This is a visual visual gag. No one can see what is happening, but um, I would like to say that for Christmas this year, Chris sent me a Nerd Herd shirt, which I am wearing um, from... Turn the camera. Um, It's very nice, and um, you should know how much I like it because it is currently a little bit damp because I washed it last night in preparation for this, so I am wearing essentially a wet shirt right now. So that's my commitment. (laughs) (laughs) well i appreciate that chris told me this year that he was sending me a package um for christmas and was very like cagey about it and was like i don't know if it's gonna make it to you i'm still kind of unclear on why exactly you didn't think it was gonna make it to me um but i did open it and i was very excited to see that it is a white nerd herd t-shirt um i've gotten a lot of compliments on it so far and like a lot meaning two but that's pretty good Um, and I really enjoy it. And it reminded me that when we were in our sophomore year of college before I had, I, I, as we've talked about, I had probably seen two episodes of Chuck maybe, but I bought you a Chuck t-shirt just knowing that you like Chuck. I had no context for this. So judging by your expression right now, you don't remember me buying you a Chuck shirt. (laughs) It sounds very familiar. It was green and it was was very big. And it was big. And it had Chuck and Sarah on yes. it. Yes. Oh, my God. Isn't that... That's really weird. Like, that's... Like, it was almost like I uh, I saw the future. It, yeah, that is strange. Did you... And then you... You handed it to me and said, Hey, do you want to do a podcast about this? And I was like, what? And you're like, never mind. No. Yeah. You didn't actually say that. And I just waited uh, five years. That's very... That's so true. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, I forgot about it until I... So, we've kind of, like... Our relationship could end now. Like, we've completed the circle. I bought you a Chuck t-shirt. You bought me a Chuck t-shirt. Now we're done. Okay, well, that's great. Um, So that's my surprise for you. Friendship over. Bye. (laughs) What a nice surprise. I guess I'll just finish the episode (laughs) by myself from here. Um, Right. All right. Well, you better get started. (laughs) So back after the first season of Chuck, Chuck's renewal for the network NBC was, quote, a no-brainer. I will be citing a lot of the Chuck fandom wiki at, as we progress through this, just wanted to let you know. Um, but after the second season, they decided to quote, put it on the bubble, which means that the show was like not exactly canceled, but it was looking like it was going to get canceled, but it might still get saved uh, going into the upcoming season for the uh, 2009, 2010 season. And it was on the bubble because it was consistently one of the least watched shows on Monday at 8 p.m. Which for me, it was not the case. I mean, for me personally, it was the most watched show at Monday at 8 p.m. because it was the only thing I was watching <laughs> at Monday at 8 p.m. So the fact that I was in the minority of people doing this. Uh, but turns out I was not alone in doing this because I they must have announced this before the actual season finale 
So you don't really know what kind of massive cliffhanger is going to be on the season two finale of him getting the the action moves downloaded into Mm -hmm. the intersect. Yes. But just like you're upset that the show is going to get canceled. And I unbeknownst to me at the time, there were a lot of other Chuck fans who I was not really communicating with because I was not I don't I'm not very communicative. You needed your parents permission to go online at that point. That's right. Make sure to get your parents permission before you download. Go check yourself. So as it was announced that Chuck was on the bubble, the television blogger Kath Scary changed the name of her television review website, GiveMeMyRemote.com to GiveMeMyChuck.com. Yeah. And used Twitter to notify her readers to support the show, prompting television columnists Alan Sepinwall of the Star Ledger, Maureen Ryan of Chicago Tribune, and uh, Joseph Adelaine of Television Week to write Chuck-related news on their websites and Twitter feeds. Uh, and as this was happening, obviously people are using, so they're using blogs and they're using Twitter to kind of get the word out about, you know, Chuck is on the bubble. What can we do to potentially save Chuck? A lot of people are emotionally invested in Chuck at this time. Also interesting to know a lot of these people who were involved with the save Chuck movement went on to become, uh, significant or not. Well, they have now significant positions at paramount pictures rolling stone magazine variety magazine vulture uh so that's really interesting save chuck is kind of a good career move i think for them panned out pretty well hopefully Hopefully for us as well hopefully it'll pan out similarly for us i wanted to point out here something that i found interesting is that um in april 2009 so while all this was going on there's a cnn article by lisa respers france which mentions um Scary, who also got word out to her more than 1,000 followers on Twitter. And then the sentence continues. But this kind of stood out to me as something that... Do you think having 1,000 followers on Twitter would be noteworthy at all? Like, today in 2020? Like, is that something that, like, a reporter would be, like, would point out and you would think, ah, reporters, maybe they're a little out of touch. Or do you think, like, this is... Do you think it would be impressive that this person would have 1,000 followers? Or do you think, like, this was at a time, like... I don't I think I got Twitter in 2010, 2011, and it was still like pretty new. Mm -hmm. So like maybe having a thousand followers at this time was like a big deal. But I thought this was like so funny to point out. Yeah, it's definitely a a good kind of historical stamp, because at this point, like Twitter and social media uh, still relatively new and kind of people are using them in new ways to do things. uh, (laughs) prior to the current state of social media being used to spread disinformation and uh uh all this being said i uh i'm making fun of people who have less than a thousand followers but uh go check yourselves twitter does not have anywhere close to that so please please follow us please um yeah so i think that it would definitely stand out it would be remarkable to say that like oh this person has a thousand followers on this this website and clearly it helped and clearly it worked Mm -hmm. so but yeah. I, I found that that was a sentence that stood out in this article. That's already very interesting, but I was just very uh, delighted to read that. <laughs> so in addition to this kind of movement, it's happening as the season is is wrapping up on air. So the last few episodes are broadcasting as people are also trying to spur this new interest in Chuck or kind of spurring or drawing attention to the amount of fans that chuck has and as a way of hoping to convince the network to save it Mm -hmm. uh and to renew it 
It's important to note that the original Chuck podcast, Chuck versus the podcast, was also playing a pivotal role in this yes. because at the time, podcasts still relatively new, similar to Twitter and other forms of social media. So the fact that there was this kind of more democratic or kind of like the folks hosting Chuck versus the podcast and uh, who were also the folks behind ChuckTV.net were doing this kind of grassroots movement to save Chuck and using this new form of media to really connect with fans and the cast and crew of the show were going on Chuck versus the podcast and really kind of encouraging the save Chuck movement and kind of using it as a, I think they did a special like rally cry episode mm-hmm. of Chuck versus the podcast yeah. before the, the season two finale to really th- keep the campaign going. I think this is another like good example, like that we already have talked about and that they talked about in the documentary a lot is that like, this was, a lot of these things were kind of like either hadn't been done a lot or were essentially unheard of. So I think it's really interesting. Like there's kind of a saturation of podcasts right now. Like it would be very hard for us to get like Yvonne Strahovski or like Zachary Levi on an episode of our podcast. But like at this point. <laughs> well, wait, wait, wait. That's actually the next surprise. That oh, I have. No, All right. no, Come on out, there. guys. Oh, my God. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> oh, hi, Yvonne. It's so nice to see you. Great work on The Handmaid's Tale. You're right. It would be difficult, if not impossible, to get them on this but podcast. But she's on their first episode. Like, they're, she's on their they're first episode. episode. She's there. She's doing an interview, which is incredible. Well, you know what's incredible? On my podcast, the pilot episode, I have Aaron Arada on. So <gasps> That's really that's... nice. Thank you. <laughs> this makes up for you insulting my glasses. I never insulted your glasses. I just never said anything, <laughs> like, editorial about your, your glasses. Your silence? Speaks volumes, Chris. I think they would be nicer if you had. So you have the big two round glass things. If you have a two and then another two. So they're like permanent Ah, 2020 glasses. Yeah, they're 2020 vision. That's right. And celebrate the the new year. I really I wanted to have a pair of 2020 glasses, but that's neither here nor there. So, yes, the podcast was so new. That was such an exciting form of media that you could go to a star of a television show and be like, hey, this is a podcast. Do you want to do the podcast? And they're like, yeah, that sounds exciting. And they will do that. Um, and it ended up being a really important resource for communicating things and and moving the campaign along and communicating with fans. Um, co-creator Josh Schwartz remarked that the Save Truck movement has been, quote, one of the most amazing experiences of my life to witness and certainly one of the most creatively gratifying end quote other fan efforts uh as this was going on kind of people are taking their own different spin on it they're trying to figure out new ways obviously there's the letter writing campaign that's going on reaching out to nbc but there's also the have a heart renew chuck campaign yeah that was really interesting a really nice thoughtful way of drawing attention to chuck where fans were donating money to the american heart association on behalf of nbc uh, I think some folks were probably also writing like Chuck Bartowski as the name that they were donating. Oh, I'm sure. Um, and by May 19th, 2009, they had raised over $17,000 for the American Heart Association. Which so is amazing. A nice thing to do while also supporting your favorite TV show. Also, uh, and this was a big thing that they talked about in the documentary, but for some reason, I don't know. They don't really touch upon in the documentary, how this started, I feel like it's just something that people instinctively do, but like mailing random stuff to the network yes. as a form of protest. Um, so they sent packs of uh, like Wonka candy nerds to NBC's offices. As you know, jo- Chuck is a nerd. Right. Nerd herd 
the candy nerds, Josh Schwartz made a suggestion to fans to do that when he was interviewed by the New York Times. So he's it's also crazy because you had talked about CNN and like this was getting major major media attention because it's so odd and strange and new that people were responding to this television show that not a lot of people had heard about that like mm-hmm. CNN, New York Times, The Hollywood Reporter, NPR, major news outlets are covering this in a way that I think was probably extremely beneficial for the yes, of the course. campaign. Yeah. Uh, and then Chuck had also won the annual Save Our Shows poll. Uh, which was conducted by USA Today, in which 43,000 people voted. And uh, Chuck got 54% of the re- the results or uh, votes. And he beat out other bubble shows, including Cold Case and Without a Trace. Wow, which, do, you re- do you remember either of those? Did you know those were different things? No, but I'm glad that they rhymed because it was fun <laughs> to say. Cold Case and Without a Trace. I'd like to um, hold you up in your recap for just a second to say um, if if we were going to be launching a Save Chuck campaign now or a mailing com- campaign, what would you suggest that we send? Uh, corn dogs. Yeah, that's I mean, Froyo <laughs> would be too hard because like it would melt mm-hmm. and or you would have to pay for like dry ice. So like a corn dog, pretty good. Or um, I, maybe it would be because in the documentary they talked about how uh there was i think it was the jericho yes. campaign was that peanuts was, it was nuts yeah and nuts in general they talked to the founder of nuts.com i was like how did they who who put him in touch with the documentary crew maybe he loved jericho that was kind of that was kind of unclear <laughs> but he was in a room at the nuts.com headquarters <laughs> Such a random documentary. And he's in this big room surrounded by packages of nuts, like tons and tons of nuts. Tons of nuts. And, and he's like, this is how many nuts were sent out during the well, Jericho like, campaign. It was like 50,000 pounds or something yeah, like that. Something, um, I thought I wrote it down, but yeah, it was something ludicrous about how many tons of nuts were sent. It's and, so impressive, but it's also like. I I hope they didn't throw those away. Like, I hope they did mm. something with those nuts and with the nerds as well. Right. I so I think going and the idea is that the more that you can inconvenience the studio <laughs> by sending them this object and mm-hmm. plenty of fans were doing this for different shows. Mm-hmm. Um, Arrested Development did bananas. Yes. Uh, Pushing Daisies did daisies. daisies. I think they should have done pies, but that's another story. Roswell did Tabasco sauce. Um, trying to think of other ones that come to mind. Chuck obviously did the nerds, but Reaper you- sent socks. Sure. It's just a weird people just do this. This is like instinctively something that people do when their television show is about to get canceled is they mail stuff to the studios. So the point is that you want to inconvenience the studios as much as possible with their mail. I think, therefore, that if we were going to do a Chuck, another Chuck, save Chuck campaign movement. And I'm not asking people to do this, but I think if we were to do it hypothetically, you should send like old computer monitors and modems <laughs> as seen in chuck in the like the the There's warehouse so many of them massive electronics that are completely useless in 2020 yes. mail those to a studio and if that's happening like in bulk i would imagine they'd be like yeah we'll renew your show immediately yeah. please stop sending all of this <laughs> massive outdated computer equipment totally unrelated but while you were talking i was um reviewing an art one of the other articles that i read and did you know that kim possible had to have a fan campaign to get renewed for its third season <laughs> i did not what what did kim possible do they just did letter letter writing oh, and okay. internet petitions there wasn't um but 
Maybe uh, maybe we could think of maybe we could brainstorm some things to save Kim Possible. Naked mole rats. If that was you just my first suggestion too. Bring a truck of naked mole rats alive. Don't kill them and make sure they're all safe. But just yeah. dump out those naked mole rats in the halls of Disney Animation Studios. <laughs> Let them run around. That Sounds show's fun. coming back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so all of this is well and good, but in reality. It's not easy to save a television show because television shows are a lot of times people forget it's a business, especially network television. The The shows are not like I think a lot of times people when they think about television, you might think, hey, you know, the networks and studios really want to tell these stories. And then the advertisers are really nice, great people who are like, hey, we really like the story. Can we advertise with it? We want to make sure people see it. And uh, that's not really how it goes. Like it's much more business minded than that. So it's really like the television shows exist. So you watch the commercials and mm-hmm. they want to reach certain demographics. They think a show like Chuck is going to hit that demographic that they want to reach. And therefore the the people that they, the advertisers want to see their ads will see the ads as a result of watching Chuck. So it's all a big business. It's all about the moolah. It's all about the green. It's all about this right here, Aaron. It's all about this. Are you, are you, See that? Where do you just have a twenty dollar bill on you? Look at that. That's right. I have twenty dollars. Oh my god! Someone, Pretty impressive, right? Listens to this is gonna rob you. Oh no! Please don't rob me. I don't even think this <laughs> is mine. Twenty dollars. I think this is Catherine's. I just found it like <laughs> near her wallet. I not that I was going through her wallet. I was going through. It doesn't matter. Um. So, how then do you save a television show by appealing to the network sense of? of money how do you make a financial case for saying that your favorite show should exist enter the finale and footlong tactic movement it's a small part of the movement but it's a very important part very important so one fan who had a background in advertising uh according to the wiki her name is wendy farrington was inspired by a product placement in the second season of chuck obviously we have talked about in the show there's a lot of subway product placement happening in season two of chuck So she decided to purchase or organize a campaign where fans will purchase footlong sandwiches from uh, Subway on the air date of the second season finale. And this was called, like I said, the finale and footlong move it. And the idea was that you could go buy sandwiches on this particular Monday and then also leave a comment card uh, saying that you're buying a sandwich because you support Chuck and to to help to please help NBC renew Chuck or what have you. Which is so interesting. Very interesting and very pivotal. I think my understanding of this, like even up until like doing some research and watching the documentary, was that like Subway was a sponsor and like usually this kind of thing would go through like the studios or people involved in the show like would reach out to the advertisers. I think it's so interesting that just people were like, yeah, Subway will help out. We're just going to do it. Like the like so many people didn't even know this was happening who were involved with the show until like way later. It was just the fans were like, we're going to go to Subway. And enough people did it to get Mm. attention. Right. Which is incredible. So the cast and crew obviously became aware of this. I think they probably talked about this on the Chuck versus the podcast episode, but Zach Levi was at a convention as this was going on. Yes, in uh, England, in, in Birmingham. A, in Birmingham, Birmingham, England. And he actually led his the folks in the audience out of the convention and to a neighborhood subway that was down the street from the convention hall. 
and hundreds of fans went into the subway and it was a whole media circus, uh, you know, really attracted a lot of attention. Zach Levi was leading the crowd and then he hopped behind the counter and started making sandwiches for everyone. He was so a was real a, superhero. It was a big deal. Yeah, he there's a video of it that you can watch. It's in the documentary, but you could also probably just watch it standalone. Yes, on YouTube, there's one on YouTube. Very impressed by how composed he was as leading a, a mob of people <laughs> to a unsuspecting subway. I'm sure they told him that they were doing it ahead of time, but. I was like, this is I really admire his leadership skills in this moment. I admire his leadership skills. I admire the chillness of the subway employees. <laughs> I imagine <laughs> if I was working behind the counter, like they ran out of things like because there's 600 people in this line. That's like, that <laughs> more people so than have scary. ever been in some subways. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so. <laughs> the. Um, footlong and finale play i don't i was thinking about it i don't think that i participated in that element of it well it's good because you would have been the the finale was such a roller coaster you might have choked it's good you weren't <laughs> eating a sandwich during it that's a good way of looking at it i think it was just kind of a matter of like i probably i didn't have my driver's license at the time i wasn't gonna be like hey mom can you drive me to subway so i can buy a sandwich to <laughs> to uh support this television show at that um, point in my life, um, I believe my mom was working Monday nights, so my dad and my tradition was to get Subway. So I may have eaten a so Subway you, on that specific night. Did you inadvertently do the <laughs> I may have. finale and footlock? <laughs> I might have done. So what ends up happening with Subway is that the response from the fans and purchasing sandwiches from Subway causes Subway, the company, to reach out to NBC <laughs> and say, hey, what do you guys think? Like if, you know, this this has been going on with our your fans and our sandwiches. What if we work out a new deal and we will like really more heavily sponsor the third season of Chuck? And NBC was like, okay. all right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and I think they ended up drastically scaling back the budget that they originally had like Warner brothers didn't give them the same budget that they had for season two for season three. But mm -hmm. I, the like feedback and Schwartz had said that it wasn't going to like change the quality of the show from my memory. I don't think yes. it, that's, I don't think they changed the quality of the show. We will uh, decide <laughs> soon, but, but stay tuned for that assessment because we will be looking out for that. So that is, uh, kind of how the save chuck movement went down and uh some notes about product placement that i found on qualitylogoproducts.com which sounds Ooh. like a, a fake website but is <laughs> a real website that i thought were interesting uh 60 of viewers feel more positive about brands that they recognized in product placement uh a brand will experience 20 percent more awareness if it's featured in a show or movie kind of like it's featured subway is featured in chuck mm -hmm. um 11.44 billion dollars was spent on product placement in the United States in 2019. That's 11 billion dollars of just putting stuff into other forms of media. Yeah, that's amazing. The market for TV product placement specifically is about 7 billion dollars. 52% of Americans trust product placement ads and 49% took action after seeing the ad. People between the ages of 35 and 44 are most likely to recognize a product placement and uh, the average time of a product placement on camera is 6.2 seconds. That's interesting. I, I'm sure there are some 
psychological studies done that how long the product has to be visible for the audience to reckon. Oh, oh my God! Did you get, did you get Subway for this? Huh? No. What were you saying about the psychology of product placement? <laughs> well, I was gonna. I can't. Chris is eating. Is that a foot long? What kind is that? Is it chicken teriyaki? This is a great bit because you can answer. Well, I can just say whatever I want now. Um, while while Chris is chewing his indeterminate sandwich, um, one of the reasons that I saw discussed for product placement specifically um, is that this was coming at a time when people were starting to use TiVo and DVR and like things to speed through commercials. So a lot of advertisers and a lot of networks were thinking like, how are we going to get people like if they're not watching commercials, if they're streaming things, if they're like fast forwarding, how are we going to get them to still see products? And that's, of course, like product placement within the show. So it appealed to brands like Subway um, because as opposed to a commercial that somebody like might not watch, if it's in the show, it's part of the content. I think Chuck is really a good medium to have product placement because it's kind of like it's a funny show. It's got like humor and kind of like cheekiness and irony and all those things. Chris is really going to town on the sandwich. I think that Chuck is kind of a perfect medium for product placement like this because it just seems like part of the joke. Even before Subway kind of like upped the contract and everything, like we see like Morgan walk in and give Big Mike a sandwich and it's kind of like it's funny. It's like ironic and it doesn't feel like we're embarrassed that we're like, oh, like how embarrassing. They're just like shoving this Pepsi can in our face. Like it feels like that is the sense of humor of the show. And I think it kind of adds something. I got really thrilled every time I saw Subway. And I know like as the show went on, like knowing that this happened, like when we get to season three and season four and start seeing like more egregious Subway promotions, I think it's funny. I don't think there's anything funny about product placement. <laughs> you you're eating that really fast. I think it's a lame attempted at humor. And anyone who tries relying on, like, ironic product placement is really just a hack, in my opinion. <laughs> the really funny thing is we are not a video medium, so no one really uh, knows or cares what you are doing. Can you hold up your cup or something? I'll take a picture. <laughs> okay, good. So, uh, Chris, can you please tell us what you are eating and drinking right now? I am eating a $5 foot long. Uh, maybe it wasn't $5. It's a foot-long sandwich from Subway okay. with the rotisserie chicken, mm -hmm. cheddar cheese, lettuce, tomato and pickles, and mustard on a whole wheat bun. That sounds really good. It is good, Aaron. And for only 75 cents more, I was able to add a bag of Lay's potato chips <laughs> to my meal, as well as purchase this large soft drink, which also says Subway on it. It does. Recognize those colors. I remember when this podcast was not centered around doing man versus food style challenges while <laughs> recording. I, no one is making you finish a foot long sandwich while we're recording. You could have you could have just held it up. You don't need to eat it all. No one no one needs you to do that. Don't, don't the people die, need Chris. me to do this. The people need me to finish the sandwich. A few. <laughs> so what you were saying about the product placement in Chuck. Something that I read was that the Subway folks were really interested in Chuck because they their target demographic was people that working in retail and working in strip malls and shopping plazas because oh, those are the, those are the people who 
would go to the subways in those plazas to buy mm-hmm. sandwiches when yeah. they're like on At their work. lunch break or yeah. doing work, whatever. Mm-hmm. When I read this, I realized that even though I did not participate in the finale and footlong, I, by watching Chuck, became like downloaded my own intersect of subway knowledge because <laughs> lo and behold, what happens after I graduate college? I work in retail. And where did I go for lunch? Almost every day. The subway across the street. So I became like the subway Manchurian candidate for watching Chuck. And they're they were totally right. They made a bid. They were like, we want to make people watching Chuck. The people watching Chuck are also the people that are going to buy our sandwiches. We're totally right with this. And yeah, they were spot on. Also, I the influence that Subway has over me is so deep that in a recent job that I had where I may or may not have been working on a project for Subway that would have improved Subway's business operations. That is all I can say about that. But I almost, I was like practically working for Subway. That's very impressive. I do. Um, I, I more mean that Chuck's use of Subway and its influence on you is very impressive. But, you know, I'm... I'm happy that you got to work with your idols in many ways. Really, uh, slowing the show down by eating the sandwich, huh? <laughs> um, c- can I can I chime in here? Yeah. Okay. So I watched a uh, video that's available on YouTube. It's a CNN spotlight from 2009. Um, <laughs> what is happening? What just happened? <laughs> that was really loud. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this and I'm gonna get through it. So in my research, I watched a CNN spotlight that's available on YouTube. It's from 2009, and it is a uh, discussion of the Save Chuck movement, and it's an interview with Zachary Levi and um, Joshua Gomez, and also Gray Johnson, who is the host of one of the hosts of the Save Chuck podcast by Namua Delaney. Um, and it's a very interesting interview where which covers a lot of the things that we've already discussed they talk about Zachary talks about the um trip to subway in Birmingham they have interviews discussing with Gray Johnson why exactly Chuck appeals to so many viewers and what viewers find interesting about it um a couple of things I want to highlight um if you want to watch this interview yourself, it is very interesting. And it's uh, Michael Kostrov, who I believe is one of the people they show some clips of fans talking about their love of Chuck. And I believe he's one of the fans. So um, you can you can find this on YouTube. Maybe we'll post it to the Twitter. But some things I wanted to highlight. Um, you can see if you're watching it or I'll just describe to you. Um, Zachary Levi is in a button down shirt. He's uh, he's got a little beard. And um, Joshua Gomez is next to him wearing like a, a logo T-shirt and a New York Yankees cap. And I think it's pretty interesting that Joshua Gomez looks so much cooler in this. Like he looks very much cooler than Zachary Levi. And I thought that was interesting. It was a nice role reversal. Um, it's one of the things that they talk about, which is something that I can barely comprehend, but their belief about... Um, about why, like some of the reasons why Chuck isn't as popular as it should be or isn't getting the ratings that it seemed like the ratings kind of has an imbalance with the fans' passion for it. Um, they talk about at this time, like studios aren't accounting for things like DVR and things like streaming and 
things like people who watch it after downloading it off iTunes and things like that. And I don't I don't know the mechanics of that. I I can't comprehend that studios weren't accounting for that. But I guess in 2009, if it wasn't as much of a thing, like it wouldn't apply to like Nielsen ratings and things. So I think that's interesting. That's just something that Zachary Levi throws out there. Yeah, that's I th- I think that's a um a valid concern because I think the studios and the people like taking the ratings, I think it's a little bit better now, but I think for a while it was kind of people just weren't accounting for DV like but also how do you account for that? You know? I don't think they had the infrastructure to say like yeah, we can measure who's recording a show and then watching it later i i don't really understand how the rating system works or anything like that so (laughs) i'm just going to uh keep eating my potato chips yeah i think i if that's true looking back on it i may have doomed a lot of shows because i i solely watched heroes like online afterwards so then i was mad that it got canceled now i understand why um one of the appeals that they make which i found interesting is um, if the and in this interview they don't know if the movement is going to succeed yet, but they say, and a lot of the um, a lot of the other like appeals from fans say, don't have this be for nothing. Like over the summer, like once we get renewed, we still have to recruit more people to watch it. We still have to make sure that we are actually watching it because I think that's kind of something you can get swept in. You can get swept up in this campaign and save the show, but then. Like, maybe because of the slot that it's in or maybe because of, like, whatever. You're like, yay, the show gets renewed. And then, like, they want to make sure that people still watch it because then you're going to have to do this for the next season and you're going to have to do this for the season after that. Like, if, um, which kind of ends up happening, I believe. But I thought it was a fun appeal from a lot of people to just say, like, make sure you're not just, like, sending the letters. Like, make sure you're actually watching the show as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Something that was really interesting in the documentary that I took away from it was that they spoke to, I have her name. Her name is Susan Kresnica, who is a cultural anthropologist and founder of Kresnica Research and Insights. Uh, She was bringing kind of a anthropological lens to this. Mm -hmm. And what something that she had said was that I guess there's research that when people watch their favorite show or a show that they really like it's the same brain activity as if you were visiting with a friend. Um, So in many ways, I think that people form these emotional reactions to shows because they on some level feel a kinship with the characters and that people react to the way they do when shows get canceled or on the verge of getting canceled. Cause part of your brain is thinking that it would be like if, say Aaron and I were friends and someone had said that oh, you can't see Aaron anymore and be like, why not? We're like, well, Aaron's not really doing that well. So we're just going to take her away. Like, Kid, <laughs> what does that mean? Where is she going to, but so I think people respond the same way as if they were at re- like going to lose an actual friend. So people yeah. get very emotional and they get very driven to help the show succeed. And she had also pointed out that the, the, or maybe I don't know if she was the one that pointed this out, but that people tend to have these emotional bonds with shows that they identify with. And I think a lot of people identify with Chuck in a way that really foster that kind of emotional connection. Maybe you're identifying with the character of Chuck or maybe you're identifying with some of the other characters, but there's some kind of um, 
secret sauce similar to what I just had in my delicious <laughs> Subway sandwich that makes people feel a really strong passion for the show and a uh, <clears throat> something that they want to fight for and to, uh, you know, have more of, especially I think after the second season when I had watched it and he had learned Kung Fu that it was kind of in my mind. I'm like, well, how how can you you can't cancel the show now? Like it's you can't drop such a big cliffhanger or like such a big plot point and then like just not have any regard for the fans who are watching it. So I feel like a lot of people probably share that same kind of like. Well, it's really it's really fun to think about how because that's something that's occurred to me in a lot of like, (laughs) for example, Joan of Arcadia um, is a show that I watched uh, pretty, pretty religiously, one might say. And the um, last season that aired ends with like a character who's like based on the devil getting introduced. And I'm like, what? Like, this is exciting. What's going to happen next? And I never found out because they canceled it. Like, it's very. Oh, it happens all the time. It's, yeah, just, it's uh, very disheartening to think yeah. that like the writers don't really know what's going to be happening. Um, the documentary did mention like some writers making the like actual decision, like even though the studios told them like you might not you might want to wrap things up like some. Uh, mm. I think it was the creator of Veronica Mars said like, no, I'm just going to make this end so that fans are rearing for more, mm-hmm. um, which whether or not that is like a good decision, whether or not that is a little bit manipulative, like I don't I don't know. You can decide, but um, it must be just it must be difficult because you don't. Like the season finale, you you don't know what's what function it's supposed to serve, I guess, when you're probably creating it. Right. Because it might be a situation where like you want to wrap stuff up or it could be a situation where like you need people to keep watching and come back in six months when the show is back on and to be interested in what like. So it's either really there's no way to walk that tightrope of being like resolution versus cliffhanger. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the concept of writing a pilot in general, where you want to have a cohesive story where the characters end in a new place, but you also want to set things up like it's an impossible act. So TV writers and creators are very impressive, uh, much like the fans who save their shows. But going back to what we were talking about, um, something I wanted to point out in the documentary, like a lot of the... um, The documentary discusses fandom, and I think fandom, like a lot of the properties discussed in the documentary and these things in general, a lot of the, either because the characters are kind of nerdy or because like things like Star Trek or the the properties that we're discussing are like have a connotation as nerdy, I think there's this discussion to be had about nerd culture and how like a lot of fans of Chuck, I think related to the fact that like Chuck is like a professed nerd, like he likes comics and he likes video games and he likes these kinds of things. Um, and a lot of like people said that they really related to Chuck as a character. And that was part of why they got so invested in his storyline. And I think that it's interesting to think about that now. Um, cause it's my impression, at least in 2020, that nerd culture and things like that. Like a lot of characters on TV are nerdy. It's kind of trendy now to be a nerd. Like it's not as socially like unacceptable. Um, a person like Chuck in 2020, I don't think would be like maybe his social anxieties and things might, um, might be less par for the course, but like having someone who like 
wears tracks to work and like likes comics and likes Marvel and knows about Dune and everything like that's in my view, like kind of a cool person in the year 2020. And I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of shows on TV, like the Big Bang Theory is one of the most popular shows. And that's like all about like nerdy guys. And maybe in some degree, we're making fun of them. But like, I don't think there's a vacuum for like nerdy white men on TV. So I think it's interesting. Like, do you think that Chuck would do as well today for that reason? <laughs> like, do you think people would be like, oh, I've never seen this nerdy man on TV before. I'm so excited because I relate to him. Or do you think like people wouldn't aren't <laughs> looking for that? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's hard to say, but I would think that probably, I don't know. I, I, I would think that it might actually be like kind of cliched or not as interesting. Yeah. And with, just trends in pop culture and things like that. I don't think it necessarily would stand out as much as it did. And it is weird to think about. Cause like, I think I'm like, well, it's not, not only is it not that long ago, but it's also not, I was like, how, how unique was Chuck in that way of being about a nerdy character? I'm like, was that really unique? But also like, I guess it's just a matter of how, how much things have, have changed rel- relative yeah. to that, because it's like, when Chuck came out, you know, Iron Man had just come out 2008, like the MCU, yeah. what would become the MCU was just starting. And I feel like that is a big thing of obviously for people growing up with comic books and things like that, you it was not cool to like those things. It was not mainstream to yeah. know who Iron Man is or to yeah. know who Captain America is. And then what we the situation is now, it's like the most basically the most mainstream thing imaginable like Avengers Endgame making so much money that it's like commonplace and it's not that weird to like these things and hopefully people are not being like bullied or made fun of for having these kinds of interests or likes or being fans of things like it's I it's I think people are more accepting of nerds or geeks or whoever like and that's okay because it's important and people are entitled to like what they like. Yeah. And it's, it's all good. Um, I have two more things I wanted to make note of. Um, but do you have anything? That's great. Cause I still have one half of my subway sandwich. So, well, okay. Um, are you going to need me to be like engaged or can I eat my sandwich while I'm doing this? (laughs) Um, I'll, I'll talk and then I'll ta- then you can get engaged in a second. <laughs> okay. Um, well, now that that's out of the way, I had one other thing that I wanted to mention about um, just things that we learned from the documentary, from research in general. One of the things that a lot of people mentioned is that Chuck is a very like, they, they talked about escapism, which I think was very interesting to hear. Like, I, I know that things were going on politically, financially, et cetera, in 2009, 2010. But it's very interesting to see people like being interviewed saying like, of course, we need TV that is an escape in here in 2009 um, because the world is such a bad and scary place here in 2009. Um, not to say that it wasn't, not to say that systemic issues weren't still occurring, but I thought it was... Uh, pretty charming um, to see people thinking that Chuck was a much needed escape at this time. 
Um, there was a discussion. A lot of people referred to Chuck as like one of the funnest shows on TV. It was funny. It was light. It had a hint of romance. But one of the um, terms that kept coming up in a lot of these interviews was that Chuck is like wholesome and that people can watch it. A phrase that was used a lot was like, I can watch it with my 80 year old father and my eight year old son or like whatever, like people of all ages will come to like it. A lot of people who were part of the Save Chuck movement were like, I watched this with my three-year-old. I watched this with my six-year-old. Like, and I found that interesting, not only like, because we had, we had one of those reviews a couple episodes ago where someone was saying, I will never show this to my child again because there's so much <laughs> sex going on. But like all jokes about that aside, I think it's interesting. Like, I don't know if I would consider Chuck a wholesome show. I didn't like, I don't know if I would show it to a child. Like a lot of things like with like sexual plot lines come to mind. And I think like there's there's swearing, there's like it's not like aggressive, but like there's they say whore, they say douche, they say like things like that. Um, I don't know if I would show like a child the show. Um, so I wanted to bring it to you. Do you think Chuck is wholesome? Um I don't know. My gut reaction based off of rewatching it and discussing it with you is I guess no, but I don't really know what people constitute as I think everyone has different levels of comfort with yeah. different things. And some people could view Chuck and be like, oh, this is this is family fun. This is great for everyone. Um, and then some people could be uh, like the person who wrote on IMDb that <laughs> Chuck was sac sacrificed to the sex gods. Yeah. Um, I think people just have different levels of comfort and yeah. I, <laughs> I think it's interesting that Chuck, would have that broad of appeal. Cause when I was watching it, I think my mom probably watched one of the, like tried watching one of the early episodes and she's mm -hmm. like, I'm not, this is, I can't watch this <laughs> and like walked out. Yeah. And so, um, I think it's interesting that it has all that kind of broad appeal for, for all ages, but yeah, yeah I don't think it's like, <clears throat> it's not exactly like HBO bad <laughs> in terms of what, no. So in comparison to some other things, I think it's fine. But yeah, like I I told you before we started recording that, like I've been rewatching The West Wing and like it's not. I think you didn't it's tell a little. Me that. Oh, <laughs> well, I have been. <laughs> um, so I've been rewatching The West Wing and I think like Chuck is a little bit more like racy than The West Wing. Um, but like it's not. I don't know, like for network TV. Sure. It's not really like there's. Like, maybe you wouldn't show your child the episode with, like, the strippers, but even, like, even then, it's not too aggressive. So, I don't know, maybe. My my view of what's appropriate for children is skewed anyway, because, like, I was an only child growing up with, like, my parents, and I was just allowed to watch whatever. So, I don't really know what is appropriate and what isn't. Yeah, that's interesting, because I would think that only children could go, would either be, like, really sheltered in terms of what their parents show them. Because they don't have. Yeah, it could go either way. Yeah. Or they could just be like, yeah, whatever. You can watch anything with us or. Yeah. Like you are the kid. You are not allowed to watch this. Yeah. So that's what I mean. We've discussed it before. My dad was a big proponent of showing me things early on. I think I saw the first R rated movie I remember seeing was Stand By Me, which is has a dead body in it. Like that's that's the main thing I remember about it. But I used to watch CSI <laughs> like really young. <laughs> and that is reflected in the young woman that you grew up to be <laughs> yes it is i think now would be a good time for the game that i have prepared oh how exciting and we is kind of speed touched dating 
<laughs> it's not speed dating. Okay. But we touched upon this a little bit earlier. Uh, but I think it would really be interesting to kind of go back and do it a little bit more. Um, I don't know. Rapid fire, I guess. So, Aaron, what I've prepared <laughs> for you today, uh, as we talked about, there are a lot of different fan campaigns, particularly through the uh, the mail in option of your mailing in items to a network okay. studio. Yes. So what I've done is I prepared a list of shows that are no longer on the air. And I want you to tell me I'm going to give you their name. And then I want you to tell me what you mail in Jesus. to the studio for that. Okay. All right. I was actually going to make up this game as well. So I'm glad well, one of us did it. Too bad I made it up already. I know. And now I have to deal with the consequences. You do. All right. Here we go. Number one, friends. Uh, <laughs> Just go with the first answer. You can't think about it. People. Mailing people? <laughs> a people. Like a people for your door. A pee hole? A peephole. A peephole. Okay. Yeah. Seinfeld. A door. Okay, so I'm not so getting this. We have a peephole and then we have a door. I mean, those would be inconvenient if you received them. They would be. All right. Uh, this, this next one I can tell is going to be great. Cheers. I haven't seen cheers. Like a glass of beer, I guess. Two and a half men. Uh... I have I've never seen that either. Charlie Sheen, cocaine. <laughs> cocaine to CBS. Yes, perfect. Attention, Charlie Sheen. Uh, okay. Frasier. Uh, I was hoping you were going to ask me Frasier, and now I still don't know. Um, scrambled eggs. That would be actually pretty good. Parks and Rec. Um, waffles. Mulaney. Was that like, is that a show that people could watch? <laughs> it was uh, John Mulaney's ill-fitted No, like, uh, I know, I know what it is because I know, like, one of the hosts of Blank Check was on it, but I didn't know that it was, like, something that was available to watch. Um, all right. Uh, well, I like his new show, John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch, so a sack lunch. Sex in the City. A Cosmopolitan. Mind of Mencia. What the? <laughs> is that something you've seen? What is that? Uh, it was on Comedy Central. It was a sketch show starring Carlos Mencia. Okay, um, a, a, like a tiny toy brain. Girls. Uh, condoms. Golden Girls. Also condoms. <laughs> Wipeout. <laughs> um, like a little surfboard. Desperate Housewives. Um, uh, well, I can't, I think I've already said a glass of wine, so I can't say a glass of wine. Um, like hedge, hedge trimmers. Okay. And the then only the episode of Desperate Housewives I've seen was when someone had a fantasy about getting kidnapped by pirates. So also it could be like an eye patch. Like what you should have instead of your glasses. Yes. Okay. And then this is the last one. Okay. The Apprentice. I don't, like, uh, an order for impeachment. Ayo! <laughs> that wraps up this game. It was a great game. Did I win something? <laughs> um, Are you going to mail me all the things I mentioned just in a big box? I well, no. I mean, I guess I can tell you this now. But as I was getting my own Subway sandwich, I was this close to shipping a Subway sandwich to your house <laughs> via Grubhub. I was going to place an order as you and get oh it delivered God. to your apartment. That would have been. I really wish you did that. That would have been so funny. 
it would have been funny, but I was concerned because I didn't know what kind of sandwich you would want. And then also I didn't know if Grubhub would take into account the time difference. Like if I could order a sandwich from the East Coast oh, and say okay. deliver this at 4 p.m. East Coast time. Yeah. So I didn't do it, but okay. Well, I'm sorry. Thank you. I mean, it would have been nice because I have to go grocery shopping because I don't have any food. So if you did that, it would save me I should have done it. Oh well. Next time. <sighs> Next time we talk about Save Chuck. That was a really fun game. So one of the last things I wanted to discuss is um, Alan Sepinwall. We already mentioned him and his. Um, he was one of the proponents of the Save Chuck movement. Um, but he was a reporter, and he actually wrote an open letter to NBC, which you can read online on. NewJersey.com, NJ.com, I guess I should say. Um, it was posted originally April 20th, 2009. So I believe Chuck was actually renewed in May. So this was a little bit before. Um, and Alan lays out the reasons that NBC should renew Chuck. And he has, it's actually like, of course, it's very well written, but it's um, it's got bullet points and numbers. I'm going to run through the reasons that he gives, and then I'm going to give a couple of quotes along the way. So the first reason he lists is product integration, which we've talked about um, in relation to Subway specifically. But I don't know what you're talking about. As Chris, um, he, for context, he is taking a huge bite. Is that, is that the second half of your sandwich? Yep. So you're going to finish it on air. Great. Yeah. Um, I wish I had like a, a sound effect or something. So here's, here's a quote from Alan. Uh, Chuck's day job is at an electronics... <laughs> Oh, thank you. Great. I'm sure you got a lot of sandwich in that. So that was nice. Chuck's day job is at an electronics store. His boss, Big Mike, is a relentless chow hound and his spy missions regularly involve cool cars and other gadgets. Right there, you've got opportunities to seamlessly insert almost any kind of product into the narrative. Maybe you ask them to put the beloved Crown Vic of Chuck's surly handler, Casey, in the shop again and show him temporarily tooling around in a Prius and discovering that he really likes fuel efficiency. So I'm looking forward to that plot in season three. <laughs> I didn't really think about Chuck having product placement other than Subway, which of course it does. I mean, we've talked about like Fable 2 appearing in the background and like all the <laughs> all the video games and computers oh. and everything. But I Toyota's a big one with all the nerd herd cars being Toyota. That's right. Of course. Um, so that's interesting. Um, another one is recession escapism. So that's something we've already mentioned, but uh it's giving people a much-needed escape from the 2009 recession. Um, good press. I guess um, the argument here is... Okay, so here's another quote. It says, Fedak told me a few weeks ago that if fans find out that the season finale is also going to be the series finale, they're going to burn their living rooms. They're going to destroy their television sets. There could be chaos across the country. So um, it would be bad press to, can to cancel Chuck, good press to keep it going. NBC tradition, this is the kind of like uh, sucking up bullet point where he says that NBC has a tradition of having good shows like 30 Rock and The Office um, and Hill Street Blues and Friday Night Lights. So he says that of these shows, Chuck is one of the better options in NBC's great tradition. And something that this article talks a lot about, I guess there was a new slot opening up for Leno's show that was going to be every night at 10. Like, I don't know. Oh, yeah. um, so that was like apparently a big thing that everybody was worried about. Yeah, it was um, a big deal. So he says, it's funny enough to lead into the sitcoms, but it also has action and pathos. And with Leno about to take over the old Hill Street Blues LA Law ER time slot, 
Chuck allows you to maintain the familiar balance. And if you need another half-hour sitcom to work into the rotation, you could always spin off Scott Christie and Vic Sahay as Jeff and Lester, who are two of the most hilarious, all but disturbing characters in all of primetime. Oh, good lord, do not do that. I like to imagine the Jeffster, the Jeffster spin-off sitcom. How oh, what could have been? <laughs> um, plot five or point five you'll appreciate is just Yvonne Strahovski. She's great. She's, he says, you don't want to let her go when you have her. Um, and then the sixth point is, it's the best show on your network right now. It says that Chuck is the most consistently funny and uh, has the most pathos of any other show that's airing on NBC at this time. So our good friend Alan says, that's, we're doing it. Keep it, keep it safe. Save Chuck. Those are all good points. Pretty good. So if you're interested in reading that article, remember NJ.com. There was also another young writer at that time who had (laughs) penned an equally persuasive letter to NBC. It was not open. It was private. And it was only sent to, I don't even know how I sent it, but it was through some email. Um, So it's about to be opened now. It's about to be open right now with uh, (laughs) the $5 foot long in my stomach. Here I go. This is the letter that I wrote to NBC to save Chuck. Uh, <laughs> all right. <clears throat> I'm writing because of the news that NBC has not renewed the action comedy Chuck for the year 2010. I'm a huge fan of Chuck and would be greatly saddened if Chuck were to be canceled. I and the large group of followers of the show would appreciate it immensely if NBC were to reconsider. Back when Chuck first premiered in September of 2007, I was in search of a new series to follow. I wanted a show that was not a reality show, but not a nightly comedy show. I felt I needed something that I could follow with an uh, actual plot and characters. <laughs> the previous summer, I had tried following the short-lived crime mystery drama Reigns. Oh my god! But that was quickly canceled. I saw a commercial for Chuck and realized that I should give it a shot. It looked like something up my alley, a sci-fi action comedy. I marked my calendar for the debut and I made sure I watched it. I was this amazed. This is really by- just our first episode. Like this is ex- verbatim what you said in our first episode. I was amazed by what I saw. <laughs> the, pi- <laughs> the pilot for Chuck was incredible and like nothing I've ever seen before. I knew that this was my show. I felt and still feel a connection with the characters, especially Chuck. I related to him because he was just a smart, normal guy who had accidentally fallen into greatness. Not only that, But once he was in greatness, he wished to be out and just to be a normal human being. But he proves he truly is great when he's offered a chance to become normal and he realizes that what he has to do and he chooses to go with his destiny and be a hero. Oh, God. Oh, this is when it gets real bad. Okay, here we go. Also, I admire Chuck because he gives me hope. I am by no means means a ladies man, but Chuck made me feel that I... I, a normal, smart, funny, video game playing Star Wars watching guy, could someday somehow get someone as beautiful and talented as Sarah to fall for me. When I would watch the scenes at the ends of the shows when Chuck and Sarah got alone time, I felt the feeling in the pit of my gut, and that made me feel like I could fly. Jesus Christ. That feeling was hope. Chuck has become a staple of my daily life. I have never missed an episode. The only episode I missed was the Christmas special of 2008, but even that I watched online the next day. I have revolved my schedule around chuck this is pathetic i know but it is such a good show that i need to see it every week i have literally ditched my friends to watch this led to verbal harassment for the next week but it was worth it (laughs) 
I know I'm not the only one who feels this way for the show. I know there's a large group of fans that watch the show for different reasons. Since uh, some for the comedy, some for the action, and some because they think that Chuck is attractive. But there's no denying. (laughs) But there's no denying that if NBC does not renew Chuck, a large loyal audience will be let go. You can see this by looking at the message boards on NBC.com or the recent posts of all involved saving Chuck. There is no issue with Chuck. And if there is, I do not think that replacing Chuck with a game show is going to help. Whoa. (laughs) Not to mention (laughs) that the season finale of Chuck was a cliffhanger. And that's just not considerate to leave all the fans hanging. As an inspiring. Oh, this gets bad, too. As an inspiring television writer, I must say that I look up to Chuck. The script is fresh and fun, yet at the same time, thrilling and action packed. The interplay between the characters is great as well. Chuck and Morgan, Morgan and the employees at the Buy More, Chuck and Casey, Chuck and Sarah, Awesome and Ellie, Chuck and Awesome, etc. It is also very original. I've never seen anything like it before. The whole idea of a government supercomputer that can be downloaded into a person's brain is incredibly creative. Also, one of my personal favorite episodes is Chuck versus Tom Sawyer, in which yeah, Chuck must, still true. In which Chuck must beat the game Missile Command while listening to Rush. I thought that that was insanely creative and hilarious. That is a definite definitive episode as a future television writer and or director it's a bold statement i would definitely (laughs) state chuck as a major creative influence if there's any kind of issue with shortage of ideas or the writers just want to quit i would be ecstatic to continue the saga of chuck by writing it myself oh boy what i'm trying to say is that you need to keep chuck sure it doesn't win awards like 30 rock or the office next to chuck these are my favorite shows so please don't attempt to cancel (laughs) either of these in the future but it doesn't have to be recognized by an academy to be a fantastic show Heroes doesn't win awards either. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And and yet NBC keeps that on for some reason. Chuck is just a bit. Chuck has just a big following as heroes. They just don't happen to appear in your target area surveys. Give one more season to Chuck to let it shine like we all know it can. And you won't be disappointed. Please, for me and all the other fans who can relate to a normal guy doing something extraordinary, renew Chuck for 2010. Sincerely, Christopher Gillespie. Oof. that's beautiful can you can you blow the uh the party party thing i can my my thoughts exactly that was <laughs> that was beautiful um i just while you were talking i thought i might look on twitter because my small contribution to the save chuck movement is a tweet that i tweeted um when they were removing chuck from netflix um but i seem to have deleted that tweet since so uh <laughs> sorry um but I'm sure it was equally as heartfelt. I'm sure it was. And I'm glad that um, Chuck gave you hope and made what did you say made you feel like you could fly? I did. I did say that. Great. Well, (laughs) that was um, maybe one of the most like 15 year old things I have ever heard. I like when you said greatly saddened. That was that was I felt that. Um, I like um, beautiful. Definite definitive. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> this it's... is not it is is definite how definitive this is. <laughs> um also throw in some major shaded heroes. I don't yeah. know what I thought that would accomplish, but <laughs> another um... NBC show. <laughs> I'm sure they loved it. So who was this just NBC in general that you sent it to, or was it addressed to the an executive specifically? Or I think it was just NBC in general. Okay. I think well, they had some kind of I mean, no one could say for sure that your letter was not the the final letter that was just so annoying that they were like, well, we got to do it. (laughs) 
This, this 15 year old boy says uh, it made him fly when he saw Chuck and Sarah kiss. <laughs> I thought you, I thought you were gonna say like no one could say that this letter was not the one that convinced them to bring it back. We're like, <laughs> no one could say that this was so annoying that they're like, oh my god, all right, yeah, just whatever, just bring it back. Fine, we don't even care. Fine. We just can't. We can't anymore. <laughs> Don't even. What time is it on? It's at Mondays at eight. Yeah, no, it doesn't matter. We can't sell ad space during that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, this has been quite the emotional and also gastrointestinal roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, um, I look forward to um, <laughs> whatever happens for you later. I look forward uh, to hearing about it. It will be both definitive and definite what can will happen I, later. Can I ask you if you if you had not been recording the podcast today, but you had gotten a foot long, would you have eaten it that fast or was it just for this podcast that you did that? No, I, I eat food that regularly that fast. All right. Just checking. Um, I'm glad you didn't put put yourself out for this. Nope. And. Uh, well, I think we've we've covered a lot of ground here. Do you have anything you'd like to any closing thoughts about Save Chuck, about the documentary? Um, I think I've said about 80,000 times that this was very interesting, but I do really mean that. I think that this was kind of a not like maybe not the cornerstone, maybe not the original, maybe not the most impressive, but it was one of the like landmark moments for like fans saving a television show, like not just fans being a fan of something, not just seeing like people on the Internet or people like gathering like. Comic-Con itself is impressive just to have like all these people who are interested and have these like just gathering and having these conversations and having these like moments of fandom appreciation. But like this was an actual like led to meaningful change and led to like the thing that these people wanted was achieved. We got more seasons of Chuck and now like us 11 years later are able to talk about like our show isn't over now. We're able to talk about three more seasons of content. And from what I remember, like the show improves, like there's, there's some, they take some interesting like leaps. They do some new things like that. We get to explore all of like what it means for Chuck to have these powers in new and interesting ways. And we wouldn't have been able to do that. Like, I don't know what would have happened. Maybe they would have written a comic. Maybe there would have been more web series. Like maybe there, maybe Chuck wouldn't have like completely died forever, but we get to discuss it in the medium that it exists in. And that's like mainly because of fans. And that's really cool. And it's cool to be a part of that legacy. If they'll have us. <laughs> <laughs> if they'll have us in their legacy. Uh, Oh, shit. I forgot to bring uh, Zach and Yvonne out. I, they were going to be the special guests for later in the episode. I, <laughs> oh, well, we'll, we can get we'll, to we'll next save time. them for next time. Just leave them. Just have them wait. Um, my closing note was that uh, I think what my takeaway was from the documentary, but also thinking about this, I like I said, like the this should not have worked. I don't think that it really in some ways makes sense that it played out that it the way that it did but i mm -hmm. think it's great that it did mm -hmm. um and i think that is just kind of when you think about how because some people might say like oh you're you're advocating to say if your favorite tv show whether it's chuck or whether it's star trek or mm -hmm. it's person of interest or it's jericho or what have you um that seems kind of silly because it's just a tv show 
Um, but we obviously have talked about how people have strong emotional connections to those TV shows. But I think also what I learned was that like the nothing that anyone did at any point is super complex or difficult or hard. Mm-hmm. Like they were able to just by taking it upon themselves and taking action. Like I think specifically about Star Trek, because uh, it was a couple it was the Trimbles were, yes. were their name. Yeah. That they just decided when Star Trek was getting canceled, they're like, oh, well, we can't let this happen. And like, what should we do? And like, well, we can write letters and we can kind of like stir up the community around it and we can make this happen. And I think that whether it is to save a TV show or it is for another cause that you care about or anything, any kind of change that you would like to see, that all it takes is just saying, like, I'm going to do it. And you find the people that share those like minded views as you and those opinions and everyone just does a little bit and it ends up making a a big change so i think that that is something that you can you can count on is that you can you can make a difference a positive difference one might say anything is possible (laughs) that's right and some might say that food is sexy you've certainly proved that (laughs) this episode um so yeah I guess that is all for today. Uh, we will be starting season three very soon, and we hope to see you there. Please, uh, please don't cancel us like NBC almost did <laughs> to Chuck. Please join us for season three for Chuck versus the Pink Slip, and uh, I think it'll be fun. Yeah, I am. I'm very much looking forward to it. I've I've missed uh, over the past little while. I've missed watching an episode of Chuck every week, so I'm excited to get back in. Yes, it'll be nice to return to the tried and true formula for Chuck instead of of these bonus episodes have not been fun, but they uh, it's a different muscle that it takes. Oh, and also, please, if you have any uh, personal experience as our listeners of um, with the Save Chuck movement, I'm sure like some of the people I'm sure there's crossover between people who are listening to us now and people who were involved then. If you want to tell us any of your stories, um, if you want to share them at go chuck podcast on twitter or send them to our email um go go check yourself podcast at gmail.com yeah (laughs) you've said it more than i have um please do and if you want us to read them on the air we'll be happy to have a follow-up or um we'll just be happy to hear them because i we um chris chris was involved i was less involved but we'd love to hear like stories of people who are in there if you uh if you mailed nerds or if you bought a subway for the finale like let us know that's cool we'd like to know yes please let us know and please also know. uh you, the listener survey is still there if you want to yes. take the listener survey and you haven't already go ahead and do it please do um some some people have which is great thank you for those if you have done it and then uh yeah i think that's that's all we can do i think the only thing that we can do now is proceed to season three i think we did it vroom, vroom. <laughs> That are you? You're like moving your arms like you're. Like I was trying to say like vroom like, vroom like we're yeah we're progressing along. we're moving ahead vroom, yeah. Vroom. Vroom. All right, well. Skimble shanks the railway cat, the cat of the railway train. Bye. You thought I could get through this episode without mentioning cats? I couldn't. Bye.
keep it in, keep that in. <laughs> it's an important part of this episode.